This is Conversations on Discipleship with Father Adam Streitenberger from St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and Diocese of Columbus Media. Welcome to Conversations on Discipleship. I'm your host, Father Adam Streitenberger. With me again today is Brooke Warren from the Marriage and Family Life Office. Welcome, Brooke. Thank you. Great to have you. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, um, we ask, O Lord, your blessing upon our time together and our day. We ask, O Lord, especially that you um, guide those who are discerning um, their vocation, um, um, especially those um, discerning the vocation of marriage and, and, and discerning whom you are calling them to marry. Um, we ask, O Lord, that your blessing be upon them through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Brooke, we've been talking about the kind of typical marriage prep process that a couple will find in the parish. And we were talking about natural family planning. Maybe you could explain um, for our listeners maybe who aren't familiar with natural family planning what it is. Yeah, so natural family planning helps a woman look at what her body does naturally and how her cycle works and to find those times when she might be fertile um, and then the times when she's not fertile so that you can either achieve pregnancy or postpone pregnancy based on what you're discerning. Mm-hmm. And the idea that, it, you know, um, the couple is open to the gift of mm-hmm. life, they're not um, doing anything before, during, or after the act to somehow prevent yeah. conception. They're just looking at the, the natural um, cycles. Mm-hmm. Yes, know. Exactly. The, um, and, you know, we talked about how that's an integral part of marriage preparation. Um, you know, I think one of the things um, I've always thought is, um, you know, the six months or a year, because you know, honestly, when you get engaged, you're not going to find a venue in not six right months. It's going to be a year out. But you have a, you know, but it almost seems like it's too little time. There's too much to be done. And I do wonder some things like natural family planning, why that isn't, um, you know, integrated more in the life of the church. You know, why do we have to just have that preparation in the six months or the year before you're going to get married? Why can't that be done earlier? Yeah, yeah. And it, I think, honestly, women should be doing it, even if they're single, just to know what their body is doing um, the method FEM um, has actually a teen version where it helps to teach teen girls kind of about their cycle and just so they know their body and the gift that God has given them um, just to kind of prepare them as they, they continue to walk because dating is a tricky situation and knowing about natural family planning and knowing about your body and knowing what you where you're kind of going in that journey you know, your future spouse should be on board with that as well. So it's it's important to to know that. Yeah. So um, you know, as we you know, we've talked about um, couples take an inventory after they uh, after their initial meeting with the priest. They'll they might do a pre cana retreat, mentor couple, NFP training. Then so it comes to the end of mar- towards the end of their marriage preparation mm-hmm. and. Generally, there's planning for the ceremony. Um, And how does that, you know, like what kind of planning is involved 
for a wedding, like for the, the, you know, the, the liturgy of the wedding? Yeah. So the first thing is to determine whether you're having a mass or no mass. Um, couples who are both Catholic will have a mass. Um, couples who one is Catholic and one is baptized Christian, they can have a mass, um, but it's usually not recommended since it's very divisive, since only one will be receiving communion, um, and usually only half of the the guests will be receiving communion. Um, and then if one is not baptized, then they cannot and have a mass. So typically, if they're both Catholic, they'll plan for a mass, which will involve um, three readings. So they'll pick their, their selections, and most... Um, most parishes have them on their website, the options for the readings, but there's on our website, we have a tool um, that helps you kind of walk through the different reading options. It's important to go through those together with um, your fiance and just pick the one that, you know, the Holy Spirit's kind of calling you that's going to connect with you and connect with the people. I mean, it, it could reach somebody who's out in your, in the congregation too. So um, you're going to pick those readings. You're going to need to meet with the music um, director to pick your psalm, to pick your any um, songs you're going to have sung during the Mass. And then you're going to meet with the, the pastor or whoever's marrying you to discuss those readings and so they can write their homily and so that they're prepared to for what's, what's to come. Um, and then obviously if you're having a Mass after the readings and the homily, um, you're going to do your vows, and that's kind of standard across the board, whether you're in a mass or not. Um, and the vows are right in the middle. I think that surprises people sometimes. They think that it's going to end with the vows, and then they're going to walk out, and it's going to be, you know, kind of like the the movie wedding where they mm-hmm. just kiss the bride and you leave. Um, but it's a little bit different in, in the church. So you do the vows and the rings, um, and that you have your bridal party up there with you which is really beautiful. Um, and then you go into the petitions and, and then if you're having a mass, you go into the preparation of the altar for, for consecration. And, you know, it's really, I think one thing that I love about a Catholic wedding is seeing the couple kneeling in front of the altar when during the consecration, those are my favorite photographs from weddings. Cause it's just such a great symbol of married life in the church and just like, you have the couple and you have Christ right at the center of them. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just absolutely beautiful. Yeah. You, um, so with the wedding rites, usually after the homily. So there's three questions, mm-hmm. uh, which again are about freedom and whether they're intending to enter into this sort of permanent union and then the, an open, and whether they're intending to be open to children. And then the exchange of vows. Most couples repeat after the priest the vows. Sometimes they, the priest can do it as a question and answer. Um, and then the rings, um, and you know, it is interesting, you know, like, so the couple kneels there during consecration. I, my favorite part actually of the wedding is the nuptial blessing, um, which happens right after the, our father and you, mm-hmm. and it's kind of, uh, if you notice at the mass, it's the nuptial mass, it's, uh, it's a real break. Cause usually mm-hmm. after the, our father, you know, there's the, the different prayers that priest and the people will say together up leading up to the sign of peace. But in the nuptial mass, there's this blessing that's inserted and you drop those prayers. Um, And I, I really think um, if you look at those nuptial blessings or if you listen to them, I mean, they, they kind of go through the history of marriage 
you know, and the sal and of sal and salvation. Um, and you know, it is usually they're they're kneeling there at at the kneeler um, as that happens, and then after that is the sign of peace, and you know, mm-hmm. the mass proceeds. But um, I, I don't know for some reason I always find that yeah, it's my favorite part. So when they're kneeling and everybody else is standing and just you know praying together, this yeah. blessing over them. It's really it kind cool. of almost reminds me of like the or part of the ordination, right? Like when. The priest, if you've been there, or the deacon, or the candidate to be a priest, or the candidate to be a deacon, is lying prostrate mm-hmm. on the floor, and and everyone's singing the the litany of the saints and everything like that. It is it's almost like that where mm-hmm. the couple's kneeling and everyone's really praying the blessing upon them. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. It's I, I really like it. So usually then. Um, you know, you get that settled, and then there's the rehearsal mm-hmm. the night before. Yes. Um, what are, you know, kind of some typical rehearsal kind of things? Yeah, so when I was at St. Matt's, our um, rehearsal process, one thing was you had to have your marriage license to the church that evening. Um, you cannot get married there without it, so you have to have it that evening or before. I always recommend as soon as you get it, take it to the church just so they have it. Yeah. Um. And then I would just walk them through the ceremony, get every, I think lining everybody up is always the most tricky part. And the part that people are most nervous about is kind of walking in. Um, Walking through the mass isn't as tricky, especially if you know the mass, Um, because a lot of it is just the same mass we see on on Sundays, other than, you know, the vows and some of the blessings and things. So um, walking with the lectors, whoever they chose to do the readings, having them practice and be familiar with kind of the etiquette and what you do when you go up to the ambo and everything. So, Although I don't know um, why, but it seems to me that every Catholic, even daily mass goers, at funerals and weddings completely forget everything. Yes. It, I don't know what it is, <laughs> you know, like, but it, it's, you know, even people go every, so it, it's really, and both in, in the case with funerals and weddings, mm-hmm. it's, the priest is going to get you through it. Mm-hmm. Just, you yes. know, just just relax. Yes, I always tell couples that. Yeah. They will guide you. They will tell you where you need to be if you're not in the right space. They'll tell people to stand. They'll tell people to sit or kneel. It's it's going to be okay. They yeah. got this. So um, one of the things I um, wanted to touch upon is what do you recommend to couples after their wedding? So, you know, we know that formation as a disciple and formation in marriage it goes even beyond the wedding ceremony that yeah. we need this ongoing formation. So what are some, some ways that maybe couple, what couples can do after their wedding to continue to be formed in their married life? Yeah. So one thing um, that's nice about witness to love is they already have this couple, this mentor couple who they know in the parish who they can continue to meet with and be friends with and, and learn from. Um, and then I just recommend they get involved in their parish uh, I tried. I'm trying to get more marriage enrichment opportunities out there for people who've been married for ten years or people who've been married for ten months. Like you need to grow your marriage, whether you're thriving or struggling. It, it's important either way to continue these things. So there's retreats. Um, Witness to Love has a great date night series that they're doing. That's a monthly um, meeting that you do as like a small group. 
and it's going to be for five years they're presenting these things. So that's a great opportunity to grow a relationship. Excellent. Well, Brooke, thank you so much for joining us. Um, You've been listening to Conversations on Discipleship. I'm your host, Father Adam Streitenberger. With me has been Brooke Warren from the Marriage and Family Life Office of the Diocese. And if you have any more questions or interests, you can go to columbuscatholic.org and look um, under Marriage Prep. I think there's also a Natural Family Planning um, page as well. Um, But until next time, peace and all good. A Diocese of Columbus production in partnership with St. Gabriel Catholic Radio.